0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 484 on Tuesday, the 26th of July, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Rich. And this week in a menu which I don't think either of us have written. Nope. Nope. We're going to talk about some things. (laughs) (laughs) This is going well. Oh, dear. Uh, Should we uh, let's uh, let's let's be professional. Let's move on. Uh, so let's start with some
1: follow-up, uh, Rich. Yes, this got you and Andrew very. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, hang on a minute. It didn't get
0: both of us okay. very very perturbed last week. You it got, got one of
1: you very debated last week. Yes. Um, this is a follow-up to the story that BMW is going to charge fees for certain items in cars via a subscription. Um and this Vice story reports that there are grey market hackers that will well, I guess get round the issue of the issue of subscription.
0: You'll possibly desubscribe stuff. Yeah. I mean yeah. this has been happening for for years with BMWs. Things like your advanced Bluetooth that you can pay extra for. Um, on most or many BMW models, so the ability to like play music over Bluetooth from your phone, stuff like mm-hmm. that, that's always been that for a long time has been an option, uh, and quite often people will will release that for you for a small fee. That's people outside BMW will release that for you uh, for a small fee, and basically they're saying, you know what, this subscription stuff, if people want it, unsubscriptionist unsubscriptioned, then uh, then we'll do that for them if we can work
1: out how. Yes, by coding basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically,
0: there's one of the things actually. One of the things I noticed in this this article from Vice, link in the show notes, etc., etc., etc. As usual, is them talking about people being able to turn on and turn off the alarm sounds when they lock and unlock cars. Okay. People ask me what one of the differences are between here in the U.S. and the U.K. It's that here people are quite happy to have their cars go beep beep. Every time they lock and unlock them, even in the middle of the night, it's it's a delightful thing.
1: To yes, do. don't do yes. it. Yes, when we when I was on the GBV rally a few weeks ago, we had one van, and then we got into another van halfway through, and that made us jump because it had the alarm bip when you locked the door and unlocked the door with the horn, and we were quite surprised when it first did it because yes. we weren't used to it.
0: No, no, but it seems that loads of people seem to do it here. Don't know why. Anyway, sorry. That's a, a, a first tangent of the day.
1: This article says that they can retrofit and stuff, and you know, turn it off and on. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Interesting story. Yes. Yeah, and it's one of those
0: things that's pretty much inevitable, to be honest. As soon as somebody somebody invents some some piece of software that's that's slightly locked and want to charge extra for it, then they um then someone will be out there trying to trying to de lock it, unlock it. Um, for probably slightly less indeed indeed. anyway, new news Uh, and last week just at the end of the week there there was a major, major announcement uh, coming out from Volkswagen Uh, and in case you missed it uh, that is that CEO Herbert Dice uh, is leaving the company at the end of August Um, and on the 1st September the board boss of porsche oliver bloom will
1: take over uh, and he will lead both porsche and volkswagen in in parallel yeah this seems to have been quite a big story because i think it was fairly Mm. unexpected
0: it's i mean dice has necessarily been a i say hasn't necessarily hasn't been a particularly popular volkswagen ceo certainly not within the company and certainly not within the uh the sort of the the rank and file of volkswagen um he's been, his one of the things he's, he's been doing. is has been announcing significant job cuts, um, significant savings drives, which is essentially the same thing in most cases, in most companies. Mm. Um, and you know, once you do that and you, and you invoke the wrath, uh, of the German unions, then, uh, then you're, you're on a pretty sticky wicket. Yeah. That's a fine mix, a fine mix of metaphors there, isn't it? <laughs> uh, they, uh, uh, then you you are, you know, you're you're in for a hard time, basically.
1: Yeah, I guess he has had a lot to contend. I mean, he's, he's brought in, I mean, the MEB platform came under his watch, I guess. The mm-hmm. software issues and the software subsidiary carry ad setting up of, that's come under yeah. his, his watch as well. So it's not been particularly easy. And a lot of these articles about this story have said that, have used the word turbulent, and I guess that's, that pretty much sums up his his tenure, I suppose. Yeah, it it,
0: it does. I mean, he came in came in at a tricky time, um, and and it hasn't really got any easier. I mean, some people I noticed some of the articles. So there's a link to an article from Electrive, which is pretty good. It's it's it covers most of this in quite a bit of detail. But mm. some of the other articles I was reading uh, were talking about uh, were talking about they were saying that some of the uh, some of the EV stuff wasn't as as Successful as they were expecting it to be, um, which seems a bit strange given given that you know you do see quite a seen quite a percentage of, of, of Volkswagen EVs on the road in the UK. know, ID three is really it's pretty it's relatively common given mm. how short a time it's been out. Mm. Um, mm. And over here, I've seen quite a few um, ID fours okay. uh, around as well. So you know, people do seem to be buying stuff.
1: Yes, because ID4 is the smallest in inverted commas EV they do in the US, isn't it? I think Volkswagen. It is, yeah. The ID
0: ID3 isn't here. Mm. No, no. It's, it's, ID4 is the starting point. So, so yeah, it's a it, it it's definitely an interesting one. It's a story that probably has with so many Volkswagen stories will run and run, um, and we'll we'll see just just what happens and just how the handover goes and, and, and what changes there are if any over the next few months.
1: Yes. Yes. The next story we have um, is about the London ULEZ extension. And it reportedly has had less impact on cutting the toxic air than the original central London zone, according to, to TFL data. Um, well, I mean, th- this article is from
0: the Evening Standard,
1: so you should um, perhaps
0: dip and, and grab a pinch of that salt because, mm. you know, it's... it's even standard um, but but yeah it's a it's a funny one this I mean we uh, Andrew and I've talked for a while about about just wondering how much of a difference and how much of a change this would actually make um, not just us plenty of others as well uh, but yeah it's it's a f- the, even according to the TFL figures the the difference is, is not big at all.
1: This article reports that the roadside levels of NOx in central London were now 44% lower than they would have been had the ULEZ not been introduced. Mm. And across inner London, the wider area, levels were 20% lower. So they're still lower, but not as low as perhaps they were envisioned to be. But because it's such a big area, though are far
0: more varied infrastructures around, and some places people will already have very low vehicle dependency other places it's going to be higher mm. uh, and and so on average the difference isn't going to be as isn't going to be nearly as great no. the funny thing is that central london of course already i mean most of central london and most of inside the congestion zone are very few private cars as a percentage of vehicles on the road
1: mm, mm. i was quite surprised that there are figures in the report that state that ninety three point eight percent of vehicles entering the ULES are compliant with the emissions rules, which I yeah. thought were, was quite high actually.
0: Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't surprise me though. That's that's the thing. I mean, most of them by the time you know a lot of uh, a lot of a, a, a lot of people have. The rules for the ULES actually are for not encompass most vehicles most vehicles driven by most normals mm, mm. they're not actually particularly strict it's only those of us with uh older cars who be having an issue
1: with with that
0: it's not they're not actually that strict
1: Did you do see it more on a lot of used cars when i was looking to buy a used car last year you know that there are mm. a lot of things that say you're less compatible and all those kind of things so yeah, yeah, yeah. A, well, that's uh, that makes a significant difference, doesn't it? Mm.
0: Next up, something that makes a—I <laughs> don't know, something about which uh, there's been quite a lot of hot air expounded, so we're just going to add to it a little bit this week. Uh, Aston Martin has revealed a new logo, and the Aston Martin—the new Aston Martin logo looks a lot like the Very old, old one. Aston Martin, <laughs> Aston Martin logo. Uh, Aston Martin are the latest to. Uh, to two D eyes and flatten their logo. It is almost the same, barring the removal of a uh, of of, uh, of of an arc through the middle. By the looks of it, mm. um, and a sort of sort of standardisation of line weights.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not the graphic designer here, though. No, well, no. I was just looking at the two photos on your autocast story here, and it does it doesn't look very similar. And that is the only thing I can notice that is different. That arc in the middle—it's been flattened and two-dized, and which is which is fine.
0: That's cool. But I think what more people have a, a slightly uh, uh, more of an issue with is a, that is is the statement that says that the British firm expects a fresh logo will allow it to enter new markets with a specific target on affluent global buyers. i'm Not sure about that. No, no, I'm not sure it's going to make a difference. There, it's it, it uh, really. I think that possibly the cars and the image of the cars makes a
1: bigger difference mm. than uh, than having a flat logo. Mm. I mean, to me, it looks. It says that it's the first major update to the crest, as this article calls it, since two thousand and three. And I can't really remember it being anything else, to be honest. Even pre no, two thousand and three. No, to me, it, it in
0: my in my little mind, it's always looked pretty much the same. Mm. Curious one. In, anyway, that one, as I said, was was expanding quite a lot on on the internet. There were many opinions, um, and I think most of them were pretty much the same as what we've just said. Uh, There's just like so so what really uh, seems to have been the seems to have been the feedback.
1: Yes, moving on to uh, EVs, and it's Amazon and Rivian have began to roll out their electric delivery vehicles in the US. So so where you are. Um, and they hope that they can produce a hundred thousand electric vans by twenty thirty to decarbonise the last mile logistics sector. Um, and the van, from the picture on this Autoco article, article, it looks very cute from the it front, is anyway. Really smart, isn't it? Mm. And one of the one of the things about it is there's lots
0: and lots of of sort of driver centric stuff in it. So uh, it's, all, it's designed so that as soon as somebody leaves the van, then it locks itself automatically. It's got modern ergonomics. It's got um, sort of assisted opening side door and stuff so that it's, it's as easy as possible for the, for the driver to be, I guess, as efficient as possible. They're not quite coming to where I am. So they're going to start out in Baltimore, Chicago, Dallas, Kansas City, Nashville, Phoenix, San Diego, Seattle, and St. Louis. Okay. I'll say amongst other cities. Uh, I will try and get a snap as soon as I see one, if I see one. So Rivian and Amazon have been collaborating on designing these delivery vehicles since 2019. We've covered this kind of stuff quite a few mm. times. Uh, Amazon has been using pre-production vehicles, so doing loads and loads of testing. Uh, it says it's delivered over 430,000 packages, traveled over 90,000 miles in them. Uh, and they use that to fine-tune the the performance, the durability, and the safety across different climates as well. So so this that there's been a lot of development, time and effort put into making this making this right and making this making this good, I think. Yeah,
1: the batteries reportedly last the lifetime of the van and they are range is certainly competitive in between hundred and twenty and hundred and fifty miles. Hmm. That's what a lot of vans currently currently do, whether that's US miles or UK miles. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> let's not go there that's
0: my that's my line uh I, do you know one of the funny things actually that the, the, there's obviously loads of vehicles on the road here which are similar to 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 the uk obviously all japanese vehicles most of them, uh, many of the japanese brands um uh many of the european brands you know it's the same cars the one that causes cognitive dissonance in me is the number of ford transits on the road here oh really Really is if there's a van, a relatively recent van of that size, it's going to be a Transit. More so even than Sprint. There used to be Sprinters here, but they, they don't seem to be. They seem to have all rusted away up in this corner. Um, and but there's just the number, the sheer number of Ford Transits, uh, and and that's a bit weird. The weirdest ones are the ones with the barn door side doors instead of a slidey door. Okay. Yeah, those went. Those sort of went out in the 1980s in the UK. I, I questioned someone on Twitter who posted one. Uh, I think it was Mike. Levine, who works for Ford, mm-hmm. and he said, "Oh no, no, we've still got clients over here that uh, that insist on having the 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 hinged side doors, which is just kind of, I don't know. That that's the bit that looks weird."
1: Hmm, and know that you'll see lots of E transit seen there.
0: Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that will not be much of a surprise whenever I do, but I haven't, I haven't spotted any yet. But then I haven't really been looking, looking.
1: No, yeah. well, these, these, these. Amazon Rivian vans are quite distinctive, so I'm sure you'll spot one of those. Mm. The front of it looks a bit like uh, a kind of Honda-E with stretched windscreen.
0: It does, doesn't it? Mm. It's
1: it's the lights, mm. the,
0: and the DRLs kind of, it's two hemispheres, but that that, that, that gloss panel in between. Mm. They're, they're, it's a good looking fan. Mm. Speaking of Ford and Ford Transits, though, Ford has developed a robot charging station. How does it work? Uh, it seems to work, now, I have a problem with this article, by the way. Don't describe engineers as boffins, please. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so the the idea is that the drivers can operate the this this remote charging arm uh, from a smartphone from inside the vehicle. It has been put to test recently in a real world trial, and the idea is to be able to offer hands free uh, remote remote charging. Okay. Um, in theory, it could also potentially be used as an autonomous charging system for, for future autonomous vehicles. But essentially, it's an arm that comes out, locates the charging port, and, and plugs in, really. Um, although somehow, it's going to have to open the little chargey the, the flap to the charger, mm. charger, which I guess in some vehicles is, is less of an issue than others. It looks like it's only really going to work if the charging port's on the side of the car at the minute, certainly in this prototype and in the picture on the Move Electric. Uh, website. It's not an altogether new idea. There's a ferry that runs from Helsingborg to Helsingor in uh, between uh, d- uh, the way I said it, uh, Sweden and Denmark, and it's it's actually it's it's actually electric, and it can do this when it comes into dock. Yep. Um, There's blooming great recharging arm can pop out from the side of the dock and just literally plug into the side of the ferry and give it a massive blast of charge in a very short period of time to enable it to keep going back and forth. So th- there are arms out there. And, you know, a well-known electric uh, American electric vehicle maker showed off one that looked like a freaky snake a few years ago. <laughs> and that's come to about as much fruition as most of the things that they've shown off over the last few years. Yes, and didn't Volkswagen do one as well, I think? Um, Volkswagen did one that could drive... Could, could it not sort of scuttle around the car park and go to York?
1: yeah that was my kind of next question how how does this i wonder how this would work in practice would you go to a a charging hub or would it be would they be dotted about places of you know where people work or um...
0: this one seemed to have been developed with ford Mm. and uh it says here that the it just says when the charging station is activated the cover slides open and a robot charging arm extends towards the charging port Aided by a small built-in camera, mm. in the trial, drivers were able to then monitor their charge status with the Ford Pass app. Once the car's charged, the arm automatically retracts back into place. Doesn't really explain how the how the charging flap gets opened and stuff. But on mm. some cars, of course, that many cars, that's that's automated. So stuff like the uh, Ionic Five, most yep. of the Audis, um, you know, that that pops open of its own accord.
1: Oh, actually, reading further, further down, it does say things, you know about car parks private homes disabled parking spaces and also mm-hmm. fleets too so yeah where people work
0: yeah i don't think that to start with it's going to be it's going to be a widespread I no no we're selective. with this kind of idea i think it's going to start with a a selective deployment
1: mm. yeah yeah i agree S- staying with alternative fuels um there's been an announcement that there will be a new hydrogen fuel cell factory which will open in the UK in 2024. There's been an an £80 million investment uh, and it will give the Johnson-Mathie factory enough capacity for 3 gigawatt output per year. That's Um, quite a lot. It is quite a lot. And that's near Cambridge in Royston.
0: Yes, I, I had to look up which Royston it was. Because the CNBC article that I've got here, because I'm discovering that different things are paywalled from the US. Uh, the CNBC is just listed as Royston Ingerland, and uh, I had to try and work out if that was in Cambridgeshire or if, or if it was in Yorkshire. But no, it is it is. Uh, oh, Hertfordshire, pardon, nah. or, or in or in uh, or, or in Yorkshire, and it is it is the Hertfordshire one. So so yeah, I mean this is the uh, yeah this is this is quite a thing, and it's it's fuel cells really specifically for use in uh, in sort of
1: road freight um so so trucks i guess yes which can only be a good thing because the amount of people I, I speak to who say the infrastructure isn't there but no one's making vehicles because the infrastructure isn't there so it's always a catch 22 kind of thing so i think the more things like this happen yeah the more yeah, the, 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 the,
0: the challenge with um, oh gee we've, we've covered this so many times i guess over the years but the the challenge with hydrogen is, is of course that, that chicken and egg situation mm, but mm. the thing but the bonus with hydrogen is that actually deploying the infrastructure is really easy mm. because basically all you need is an electricity supply uh, and and you can you can deliver a, a hydrogen fueling station basically in two containers so actually deploying it, so getting the vehicles and putting and getting some of uh, th- the vehicles have to come first. It's, it's kind of a ridiculous situation, but the r- vehicles have to come first. And the way to get the vehicles first is to, um, it is to start with the fleets. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and, you know, do, do selective hub charging, uh, hub charging, hub fueling in this case, uh, and, uh, and move on from there, I think. Uh, so, but, um, I think it's a good thing to see. I think, and definitely, the commercial vehicle makers are making noises about fuel cell much more now. Mm-hmm. Scania, mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Scania, Volvo, Daimler. they're starting. T- pardon? Daimler, all Mercedes. Yep, exactly. They're starting to look at at, at a, a sort of multi multi fuel uh, range, really, future uh, now, as opposed to yeah, yes. Thank you. You're picking all the good words today, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as opposed to just saying look we're only going to be electric which 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 was talked about for a while but that seems to be being backtracked a little bit i mean we'll have
1: this place for last mile and smaller hgvs but yeah Mm. be a long haul no yeah no no no, i don't think so speaking of smaller well not hgvs but smaller evs rich uh british brand moke international is selling up 100% of its shareholding to electric vehicle specialist EV Technology Group. Um, um
0: yeah, I, th- this is a weird one because obviously Moke International uh makes an electric version of the the classic Mini Moke. Yep. Uh so you know what that looks like. I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to explain to motoring podcast listeners what a Moke looks like. Um but it's, it's that, but electric, and they're selling it as a, a sort of utility vehicle or as a leisure vehicle um, for use in, I don't know, places like the south of France mm-hmm. where you can sort of potter it down to the beach, take it back to your beach house, let it charge overnight or whatever, and then, you know, go and do the same life cycle stuff again tomorrow. Which is a sort of slightly limited market, to be honest, as far as I, I, I'm i concerned, unless you're going like, to sell them to fleets in, in, in the Balearics and stuff.
1: Well, but it has um, to be a range of 8 to 9 miles, so it's not, you know, I can see that being exactly the case.
0: Yeah, So, but they're looking, they they sold out uh, to EV, EVTG, um, and so hopefully they're going to be looking at, at maybe developing some more stuff. I would imagine, though, at some point there will be a, a newer restyling, reimagining of the Moog uh, will appear. Will, will
1: Which appear. might be a bit of a shame, because it's kind of, not wanting to use the word iconic, but I will. Uh, In its current form, I suppose, or its old form, it's
0: it's the only sort of survivor of that sort of Citroen Mahari type vehicle, mm-hmm. really, isn't it? Where you you got a you got an everyday a, a, a common everyday vehicle, and then you you put a you put a sort of fun or utility, but obviously it was originally utility. It was originally developed for the British Army, wasn't it? Um, oh. To be to be droppable from aircraft by parachute. Oh, really? Okay. That, w- that was one of the things about the Moat. It's, it's been a long time since I've, since I've read my Mini the First 30 Years book. <laughs> uh, the came free with a Mini 30, the best Mini Special Edition mm. ever. Uh, although one person may well be. <laughs> It's really the last survivor of that sort of era of vehicle design in the 1960s. First agricultural, military, and ultimately leisure use. Um, so, yeah, it would be cool if it stayed on and didn't just become a sort of blandified emoke mm. or mookie, or whatever
1: it is that they're going to do to put the letter e somewhere around the name. <laughs> right, next moving on to well moving back to something lar- larger again uh, daimler trucks has started production of its second electric truck the e iconic or Econic. iconic I don't
0: know. <laughs> I mean, knowing who some of our listeners are, I'm going to be very careful here. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be the e iconic as opposed to the e iconic. Um, which yeah, yeah. So the, well, do you want to explain what the iconic, what the iconic is, whether it's e or
1: not? Yeah, it's based on the same architecture as the e which is a kind of longish, medium, hawly type thing um yes and it's for municipal in the city kind of applications really so bin lorries you know those kind of things yeah that's,
0: that's what i say pe- pe- people will have seen the the iconic around it is it is the low cab yes. uh, truck meant for use in in cities so they tend to have as i say that that low cab at the front um possibly three axles two of which steer one at the front one at the back Um, and very often have a bin lorry body on them Uh, although you do see tippers and stuff in in central london because they comply with all the sort of visibility laws and easy step in step out um, type type stuff so you you do you're starting to see non-bin lorry versions but again as we were talking about earlier on last mile deliveries use in cities this is the this is the truck for mm, that. Mm, indeed, indeed. If you're wondering about cost, uh, they're saying it's going to cost about three times as much as the diesel equivalent. But then, of course, running costs are going to be very, very low from there on in, and it should be. Say it should cost about the same in in the long run. And I assume that the uh, the trading values at the end of the use or the ability to be to be rebuilt and revised um, will will actually mean that residuals are much, much higher.
1: Just seeing the. Uh name unimog in this in this press release here that i've got up um is there a there's not an EU Unimog yet is there uh,
0: not that i'm aware of no. But i'm, I'm sure that i'm sure the pr for for damon trucks in the uk will, will will be along to to, to tell us something sure will. anyhow that takes us to the end of the first part of the show and that means that it is time for guilt minutes the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running if you feel that the Motoring Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and Spring Store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you so very, very much, then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues. That brings us to Motorsport Corner and some very sad news earlier on this week.
1: Yeah, which I think you'd be very... uh, Well, under a stone if you missed it, I think. Um, It's the Mm. fact that Paddy Hopkirk, who has always been associated with minis, and... He's his a victory at Monte Carlo. He has died aged eighty nine. He first found fame with the Mini with the victory in nineteen sixty four at the Rally Monte Carlo. And the car that is he's, he's always been linked with is the one that's thirty three EJB. I hadn't realised that that it was sixty nine years ago that he first won. I mean that's incredible. That's quite a,
0: Yeah, I'd not done the maths on that one. That that is quite a while ago. Did did you ever meet him? No, sadly not, no. We did Andrew and I did once uh we met him at the guild of motoring Writers okay. uh dinner when when we won the, the the breakthrough award um and there was you know all the national who are not allowed to use your mobile phone in the in the rac and the, all, all these kind of things um uh but but n- nobody nobody really thought to tell <laughs> to, to to tell paddy that so he was he was sort of and, and nobody was then going to say oh excuse me sir uh to to someone as, as as well known as him but he he was lovely um he was lovely uh said hello and, and and stuff that's
1: that that seems to have been the thing i've seen most i think is the outpouring of just general positivity about him mm. saying what what lovely person he was and and things like that yeah
0: lo- lovely chap and uh, and you will be, be sadly missed. And our, our thoughts obviously with the, the hopkirk family Indeed, indeed Uh, New, new car news this week. Uh, Somehow the first one has landed with me. And that is the new 2023 Honda Civic Type R. The Civic Type R, a car I... Well, maybe I would get along with this new generation. I haven't for the last two. (laughs) Uh, But maybe I'd get along with this one. It's... uh... (laughs) What what need you know? It is it is a, a Honda Civic a car which get bigger and bigger with every generation. Uh, it has it's much less shouty than the previous one. It would be hard to be much more shouty than the previous one, though. But yeah, it's 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 got a big wing. It's got a uh, scoopy in the bonnet. It's got red seats and a red uh, and a red interior. It's got a two-liter, uh, in this case, turbocharged again engine, uh, six-speed manual. Lots of stuff, uh, and it is probably fantastic on a track. Look, even the plastic—the boot lid is plastic, and the bonnet is aluminium—to uh, save to save weight. It is thirty-eight percent better structural rigidity than the previous generation. There are many numbers the brakes have enhanced temperature control, all sorts of great things. I, I'm i sure people
1: are going to absolutely adore it. My neighbour used have, well has had three on the trot. Um, really? Yeah, but he's neck it's opposite to me. <laughs> he's now got a BMW hmm. the very powerful one series anyway. Oh, okay. right, right. Um, But what, what yes. I picked up on here is they I guess it's my sustainability head. It says that this autocar story says that mainstream models have already gone hybrid only in Europe from Honda, and mm-hmm. this is likely to be the last pure ICE car the brand ever launches in, in, Europe. in Europe. Yeah,
0: that doesn't surprise me really. Um, and it's going to be one of those. I think it's one of those situations where the, the rest of the range is going to, going to make it possible to have to have the, the performance versions, mm-hmm. just like we see with uh, we see with other brands as well, uh, where pretty much everything mm-hmm. is. Uh, Pretty much everything is hybrid, uh, apart from the performance models. It's got a sound, th- sound synthesizer. God, I need more coffee before saying that again. A uh, sound synthesizer, uh, which which kicks in sometimes. Uh, the numbers, by the way, I did say there are many numbers. The previous generation, uh, just just to give an outline, because there are no numbers at the time this Autocar article was written, by the looks of it. They're saying the previous generation was 316 brake horsepower, weighed 1,380 kilos, and was 0 to 62 in 5.8 seconds, reaching 169 miles an hour. Expect similar, but possibly slightly better for this one. Mm. Uh, also, no talk about prices yet, I know. So we'll see what happens. I've seen some tweets this morning. It seems that whilst we're recording, uh, then people are out playing, uh, playing with this. Uh, no doubt, there's an embargo. Uh, on when the all those actual numbers will come out, I'm sure we'll update you uh, whenever they do. And if we don't update you, it will be all across the internet. It will indeed, as is the way. Yeah. Electric sports cars, though, right? Rich.
1: Yeah, which I get. I'm quite surprised this hasn't happened earlier. I suppose uh, Alpine hmm. have released a concept electric prototype, hundred percent electric prototype, um, of the A110. The A110 eternity it celebrates the 60th anniversary of the a110 model itself and they say it's a it's a rolling laboratory it's it's an open top car but it's not a convertible it's just got an an openable roof it's just got an, an open top yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it looks very much like a you know a regular a110 yeah
0: it was It's kind of tricky, really, in this in this situation, because one of the first things they always do with electric versions of, of, of vehicles is they block off the grills. And uh, when you don't have a grill to block off, then stuff tends to remain looking pretty much the same as it did before. Uh, I think it looks great. Mm. I actually love the idea of this. Um, they're saying that the battery, the battery pack uh, only adds 258 kilos to mm. it. Uh, in, in total, because the the pack itself only weighs
1: 392. And the modules are very similar to um, the Megane e- E-Tech Electric, which makes sense.
0: But it does make a lot of sense, because so many parts are shared... You know, so many parts of the Alpine drivetrain and stuff are, sh- are shared with existing Renault models. So that it's, it's great that it makes it a little bit more sort of plug-and-play
1: to swap these things around. It's been lightened. Some parts of it use lightweight Materials such as flax. I'm just having a little bit of a look at
0: the look at the ranges. So the range is down slightly on the WLTP from 550 kilometers, um, so 300 and something miles for a standard uh, A110 to 420 kilometers uh, in this particular in this particular setup. So it's I think I think it I think it
1: looks great. I I can get completely on board with this. The most noticeable bit. I'm trying to find out if I can see any more about it is the back window with its funny honeycomb kind of
0: it it does you can just see it so uh, there's there'll be a link to the press release for this uh in the in the show notes and if you look at the picture at the top and that really oh hang on they're up and pictures on the, bottom, the bottom, yeah. bottom there is a kind of weird sort of honeycomb thing going on around the the, the, the slightly smaller rear window. Um, I, I think that looks like it's just for aesthetics rather than anything mm. else. Mm. Uh, right. Uh, next up, lunchtime, lunchtime read this week. Uh, lunchtime read this week comes from Mr. The Pollitt. Uh, and obviously it's on carandclassic.com. Uh, and it's all, about, uh, it's all about your classics, funnily enough, and how you can make them safer than they were when they were new. Obviously, they're not going to be as, as safe as, as the latest 2022 models. Uh, but, you know, he runs through a couple of things that you can do uh, and things you should think about, some of which are obvious and some of which are a bit less obvious, mm. um, to just keep... Uh, to try to just just keep it a bit safer, keep you and your family uh, a little bit safer should something bad happen. Uh, well worth a
1: read. and Well worth well, a read. Well, yes. Even so, just look, again, I always feel sorry for the poor rover 100 in that top image that didn't
0: do very well no no not really not when the driver pretty much ends up in the back seat that was uh, but you know yes it's one of those ones i mean a, an architecture so old by that point that it that it that, that it could it could probably have to uh, no it could easily it could easily have had children i think it's children could have children by that point
1: mm, indeed but but good tips in there though i think good yeah some some really nice stuff in there Rich, list of the week then falls to you. Does indeed, and and it's the eleven best French concept cars, um, which is well. There's a, it's an interesting selection, quite varied. I do like the name of the first one.
0: Well, normally it's the person who normally it's the, the person who reads out the article, then asks the other person to, to choose one. Uh, let's swap that around. Rich, what which one would you which would you have? We'll only choose one because there's only yeah, eleven. Yeah, yeah, People get. People get angry
1: if we read out the whole yeah, list. and it also it's a so, defeat of purpose. Tempting to go for, oh God, I mean,
0: there are there are some good ones in here. But the first one looks even weirder in real life. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, because it's at Cité de l'Automobile in Malus Okay. At the slum in with the Schlumpf collection. So, if anybody does want to
1: see the first one, that's where you go, and it's very old. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I'm um, the. The Reggie ones are quite good, but I'm not going to pick those. Um, I shall go for the Citroën Caron, just because it's so bizarre. So bizarre. It really is the sort of,
0: well, it's that, it's 1980,
1: isn't it? It looks like, well, it looks like the the pyramid from the Louvre just got up and put on a set of wheels and said, "Uh, you know, today I wish to be a car. (laughs) Exactly, and drove it off. And, uh, yeah
0: it's got everything you know it's got the whole three seats in the front so your wife can sit on one side of you your mistress on the other <laughs> <laughs> all the usual jokes um i mean it looks like it's got a crazy dashboard it's the color of a hearing aid it's just outright weird isn't yeah. it but I'm quite cool at the same time oh very much so i'm fed in Fed in rear, rear, rear wheels and stuff. Do you think it's a? Do you think it's a, a failed Citroen BX concept? Well, or a shelved. Citroen yeah, maybe. BX though, BX I mean, the front has that kind
1: of off. look to it, almost. Yeah,
0: I was just looking at the sides actually, and the way it sort of goes along and over the rear wheel, mm. uh,
1: and and stuff, and, and and those angles. But there were yeah, so many of. But that was that was. There were so many of that era, weren't there? that were BX kind of, and and obviously BX
0: credited to Bertone. Am I right? I think I'm right.
1: So. Was it Gandini? Oh, <gasps>
0: oh, I don't know. Oh, oh we the should know that. will correct me. We <laughs> should. I should know this one off by heart. Someone will tell me. I'm sure that within two hours of this podcast
1: being out, someone will have.
0: Do you not know? I th- Actually, think I know
1: what. I think I know what I, List Stuart Birda would pick. But what would you pick, Alan? Oh, don't know. Do you? Uh, I think I
0: actually i some of these i've seen in real life and they are fantastic but for sheer silliness i'm with the stupid uh choice as okay well. mm. mm-hmm. ah, it's got three spokes which well, it actually it look all right actually it's got three spokes. three spokes going well <laughs> taken in context with the rest of the vehicle i mean it has squiggly pen lines down the side and everything how could you? How could you not choose something so ridiculously nineties as that? Mm, it's a bit like a Suzuki X90, isn't it? Come on, it's more practical than a Suzuki X90. Okay. Just about <laughs> everything, is more practical than a Suzuki X90. But I love silly headrest a lot. Yeah, it's a good list. It's a good list. It's a cracky one. And it's from Goodwood Road and Racing. A link as ever in the show notes. Uh, that brings us to the end. Finally, this week, uh, and. Speaking of cars for particular purposes, and we've talked lots about different types of vehicles, then um, this week's and finally comes from Revivaler. Revivaler says it's iron and uh, iron and oil and gunpowder. So what could be more? Yes, what could be more motoring podcast than that? <laughs> uh, and this is this is this is in case you need a car to go tiger hunting. Uh, this is a story all about the 1926 Daimler Star of India uh, tiger hunting car. Uh, It turns out the Maharaja of Rewa um, apologies for mashing the pronunciation for that I'm sure uh, and his custom uh, custom built by Barker and company uh, Daimler 45 horsepower uh, that was designed to be near silent um, and could be used for, for sitting in the creeping through the jungle uh ready to to bag yourself a tiger. Yeah, which uh, as you needed.
1: Well, which apparently involves a trained monkey on a long string, an interesting mm. book, a nice comfort chair and a heavy caliber rifle. That's a bit of a There's, there's and <laughs> yeah, and it's a pretty if you
0: look if you go through the through th- through the photos, it's actually quite a long article. Unusually for a Nan Fine it's quite a long article. But the there is um but it is a a quite significant gun and I guess the reason is that you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to just maim the angry tiger uh especially as, as it points out why you might be hunting a tiger by the way which is quite often they've been uh, you know attacking villages and, and and things so you would want to sort of to sort of dispose of the tiger before it disposed of too many too many people mm. uh, around about it wasn't just sort of going out and doing it just for, for fun and sport really um, it was, it, it was uh, sadly, a little bit of a necessity at the time. Um, but yeah, I, it did, this article's great. It talks about the, the German silver bodywork. Uh, it talks about the, the benefits of the sleeve valve system. It talks about some of the other cool stuff on this car. It wasn't just for tiger hunting. Um, obviously, if the Maharaja's wife and daughters went out, uh, then the car actually has two windows in each door with uh, two separate sets of window wipers, one for clear glass, and the second one you could also
1: wind up some very heavily tinted glass oh. as well. I like the boa constrictor horns, which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are really cool, aren't they? The bust I'm guessing of him on the radiator grill. It,
0: supposedly that was fitted
1: later. Uh, and the fuel but- tank, which is actually quite a pretty thing as fuel tanks go.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really cool car. It's really lovely. Um, and well worth a look through the pictures and and a read of the article to give all the context around it as well which i think it's a really nice little article so yeah cracking stuff uh, well well done to well done for that one i, I should really browse a bit further through that website because i think you could have some quite interesting stuff mm-hmm. in it. that pretty much rounds us up uh for this week i think um just one more thing before i hit before i head to the parish note and that's just to very quickly say congratulations to alex grant uh, who 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 sometimes stands in as well for one or other of us. Uh, well done for for well not so much for him but for his car, his Polo G40, uh, getting an award at the News Press Awards. Uh, well done, mate. Yeah, it was very good. Good one. It's a lovely car. So. Yes. Yes. Uh. Parish note-wise, over the next four weeks, uh, as you might have noticed, Andrew's not here. Uh, as, uh, as I said in the Patreon, uh, something about holly bobs, I think he was the term he used, what he's doing this week. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of a break from the news show uh, over the next four weeks. Uh, it's a time of year when the amount of news generally drops. Uh, anyway, um, and so we've got a backlog of special editions. Yay! Uh, so yay. So we've kind of got up to speed with those as far as recording goes. They're going to be out on Wednesday mornings over the next four weeks. Uh, okay, so we're not going away completely. Uh, we're just not doing the new show uh, so that, 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 well, basically so that Andrew can have a holiday. As much as anything else so that Andrew can have a holiday. Uh, and that's coming out, those are coming out, and we will be back with you at, I think, the start of September, if I, my maths is correct. Uh, if not we'll be back when we're back um but it won't be very it won't be very long away so so there'll still be stuff from us um still be around uh it's just no news news show uh through august um that was it for parish notes yes i think that's it for the week unless you can think of anything i missed rich um not off the top of my head no awesome Well everyone, don't forget that between now and the next time you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page at motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities. Uh, Remember you can support us financially via Patreon and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts
1: or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Rich, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Twitter is the best way to to get in touch with me where I'm at richgoodincom.
0: And polo driver website... Uh, terms of a coming of a comeback.
1: Well, it's not really gone away, but I just haven't updated it for ages. So okay. uh,
0: go visit it. Po- Pokemon to Pokemon to updating it. Ever. Yes.
1: And what's the best way of people getting in touch with you, Alan? Uh
0: it is Twitter again. I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, because if I don't spell it, people complain. As I say, we'll be back uh relatively shortly, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley.
1: And I've not been Andrew Clues.
0: And safe motoring.